0: Welcome to NISA Talks, our general election podcast. This morning, we're going to be thinking about effective education policy. I'm Jagjit Chadha, the director of the National Institute of Economic and Social Research, and I'm delighted to have in the studio with me this morning Stefan Speckhauser, who leads our educational research at the Institute, and Eleanor Lizaus-Keiter, who is a senior educational researcher at the Institute as well. For most of my time, As an economist education has been front and centre of the political debate and I wonder Stefan whether you can help us understand why we think the outcomes in education in the UK are so poor. Some of the numbers in your brief suggest we're spending quite a lot on those things in the UK and yet nevertheless the outcomes seem to be worse than many of our comparable advanced economies. So perhaps you can just help us understand that Stefan.
1: Yes, thank you. There are there are two aspects in, in this one question really. The first one is you already mentioned, is the spending on education in this country. So Britain does not really spend a little on education. Actually, it's one of the highest in terms of percentage of GDP we spend in Europe. Only higher in France really. But then in in uh, if you if and you that will surprise people. It probably is a surprise, because Mm. people always say there is not enough money for education, generally, and and we tend to agree to this statement. But then uh, the pattern of spending is very different in Britain than it is in France, for Mm. example. So we spend more on secondary education. Mm. Uh, We spend less on early years' education, and this obviously has different effects on on education outcomes as well. There is an argument in the academic literature that early years' education spending has huge benefits, but we probably come to this later in this Mm -hmm. talk. And then if you compare Britain in terms of spending to France, we spend less on early years than France, for example. Mm. But generally, spending is not low. So what is the matter of outcomes in education? Mm. Outcomes in education are equally not a straightforward story. So we have a lot of good attainment in this country. So there's many positive stories to tell. But there is also a long tale of under-attainment of people who... uh, leave secondary education with low or no education outcomes Mm. without GCSEs, Mm. and their education is not progressing. So the education would have to improve for these people in particular. If you look into how people's education is at age 30, about a third of the people have, at best, GCSEs as the highest outcome. So they're not progressing into any more technical education, Mm. as most
0: people would do in continental Europe. I see. So the way to think about this is that there are pockets of excellence and good performance that reflect the amount of money that's gone in, but the composition of expenditure, possibly at key transitions or in particular parts of the education development process, are such that there's a tail to the left that is performing in a way that is problematic for the country. Is, is that a fair summary of of your position, or 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 what the literature is also saying.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I would say that there is, um, there is a, a good education generally, mm. and there is excellent academic education yes. in this country. Yes. And then there is a technical and vocational education sector that requires improvements. I mm. think that is a fair reading of all of what the experts say. Yes. Um, and you're looking into um, the spending figures uh, which have been published by colleagues from the IFS yeah. they show that uh, the spending in relative proportions mm. of further education used to be one and a half of what a secondary education and it's now below that. Wow. Yeah, so, And that in addition to a general trend of decline of education spending has made the situation much more challenging in the further education sector. So these people really have a tough time and have a yeah. lot of demands on, on their activities.
0: I, I wonder, Elena, are those people concentrated in particular parts of the country or also in relatively poor areas? I'm just wondering whether this is reinforcing some of the other issues broader in the country. Can you imagine if, these, if this... These unfortunate people who are not being treated well by the education system were spread evenly across the country. That's one issue. But if they are concentrating in particular areas, that would reinforce other issues that are emerging for the country's national agenda at the moment.
2: Yes, so I believe that... There are regional differences and uh, I think further away from from big cities uh, people mm. are lacking education and mm. maybe don't don't have access to education mm. but when we talk about spending mm. uh, in education, I think that the biggest problem is how we allocate money uh, towards different parts of education mm. so as, as Stefan said before mm. uh, we underspend uh, in early years mm. and uh, we know already that uh, there are a lot of uh, benefits from investing more money into early years of mm. education. So we have to like reallocate the money, not only uh, for regional uh, differences, not only for social, but also for like, different parts of education.
0: So all of that then adds up to being even more of a priority for spending in these areas than a simple yes. analysis might suggest, because a lot of these effects are amplifying and building on each other, yes. that means that the actual underlying shortfall is even more pronounced than uh, a, a, a singular analysis might suggest. Is that fair? Yes, uh,
2: yes. so uh, we can't say that now we have to increase spending on, on one aspect mm-hmm. or another. More analysis is required and, and it's more complicated. than, than
0: okay. uh, no, I understand no, this, this, the need for strategic complementarity in expenditure is coming across in many of our areas. And one of the things we'll come to in a minute is how that might have failed in uh, the process of the last three and a half years as we've been praying for Brexit. But let's come to that right at the end, if I might. Can I push a little bit on what types of policies on early years you'd like to see? It's one thing to talk about expenditure, but what are the actual policies that we need for early years? I don't know.
2: Well, let's not uh, deviate from expenditure (laughs) first of all because that is a very important issue. So we spoke about France and we spoke Mm. where the UK is at the moment Mm. in in terms of their um, neighbours and other countries. So for example Sweden spends uh, in total less on education as we know because the UK is one of the highest spenders but they spend eight times more on early years education than uh, British uh, government. So uh, in that sense, we have to allocate more money because there are benefits from early years of education. So, for example, we can reduce even health issues among children if we spend more money on this education. We uh, can increase the participation uh, labor participation of their mothers mm-hmm. or for women as well. So th- I think that the main point is first of all to allocate more money and mm. also uh, help out the disadvantaged families more. Uh, so uh, there were spending cuts on a Sure Start program so that needs to be reversed. Uh, you, we have to concentrate on uh, parents and children uh, not probably not only under four years old but a little bit uh, longer mm. and then concentrate on those who, who need the money the most. Uh, it's the money. It is the money. Stefan, <laughs> <laughs>
0: anything to add to that? On early
1: years, it's yes. it's important to say that we actually really looking into public expenditure on early mm. years, mm. right? So mm. there is also a, a funded early years provision in this country that is funded out of family mm. incomes. I mm. think one of the key challenges will be to try to allocate the funding so that the relatively poorer people benefit more mm. of, of the public investment because mm. y- you will see the benefits will be higher for people who then can start working because there is adequate childcare who then can bring their children into a more positive education trajectory because they start them earlier.
0: Just one question to both of you and I'll go on to the next point. is, is that that, I understand this point about more resources and more money But do we have sufficient staff? Do we have sufficient numbers of trained staff to deliver this education at early years? Or is that not an issue? It's just an open question because we're in a full employment situation in the country at the moment. If we increase the money, will it just go on wages or will it actually bid in more people to work in this area? No, I
2: I do believe that we are lacking staff and uh, trained staff. Mm. And so early years, as I said, is a very important part of education. So uh, staff has to be trained to the. good level, uh, have education themselves mm. in, in that particular area, and also maybe more more finances should be allocated towards training staff for, for those uh, children, to, to deal with those children who uh, have particular needs okay. from early years.
0: Thank you, Helena.
2: What if I can move on from
0: early years to further education, something which I know, Stefan, you've done a lot of work on. Can you help me and and briefly understand what are the gaps in further education, but also why is it so valuable?
1: Yes, as I have said earlier already, there is Mm. a a relative decline in spending Mm. per participant in further education. Mm. At the same time participation in education has grown, Mm. Uh, there have been extensions of the school leaving age, so Mm. more people now are in education Mm. 16 to 18 than Mm. Mm. have been before. And if you look into the manifestos, indeed there are Pledges to increase spending by the Conservatives and the Lib Dems, and, and anyway by Labour, to resource mm. this sector better. Mm. So that is that is an important uh, concern of mm. domestic policy that yeah. will be will be addressed. At the same time, are, the demands on this system are growing. The industry is complaining about not having right skills mm. uh, to employ people. There is more apprenticeship activity going on uh, in, in this sector, so the, the, the demands on the sector have changed a lot. Mm. It's professionalisation, mm. teachers will be trained better. If this is um, an attractive education programme, it has to deliver more connections to higher education, to higher right. technical education. So I believe while a lot of positive activity is happening in further education mm. is catering for half of our young people in the end, yeah? oh, wow. so well, it's basically. Mm. Every second child is ending up Mm. going into an empty college, Mm. doing lots and lots of good things. Mm. But once they leave it, there are less connections into some further, more um, technically um, sophisticated education that is beneficial to employers, is creating gains in productivity. So this sort of sector needs to be
0: ramped up. And you've done some work that suggests that um, particular areas of further education yield a lifetime return in earnings that's similar to doing a m- more academic degree I- in old-fashioned terms. Is that right?
1: Yes, I think it would be fair to say that you can't really do uh, something wrong if you invest in STEM subjects, yes. no matter where it is. If I you're see. good in school in mathematics, yes. that's fine. If you're good at university in mathematics, mm. that would bring you forward. If you could, in technical and, and engineering mm-hmm. programs in further education colleges, there are very significant gains for yeah. your future earnings. And it, it doesn't need to stop where people leave the college at, at age 18 mm-hmm. or 19. There is like more education mm-hmm. between, say, A-levels and A-degree, like higher nationals that can bring but, people huge benefits. And I think there is not enough awareness of it. There is not enough possibly supply of this education right. to make it an attractive food for many people.
0: Right. Now, that's fascinating and I've really enjoyed reading your research over the last couple of years trying to understand this this, this gap in education in the country, in the early years gaps as well, that uh, Eleanor has experienced so quickly. In the last minute or two I wonder if I can return to the B word with an X in it, <laughs> Brexit, and just ask Eleanor, this whole question about education, how does the Brexit process affect this for the UK at the moment. Do you have anything? Well,
2: it's points? very hard to say because mm. uh, we know that there w- one deal already exists, the other one doesn't, and, and uh, so it's very difficult to say how Brexit will affect mm. education in particular. However, there, there were many discussions about migration, for mm. example, mm. and uh, we have many international students in the UK, and yeah. of course if uh, we hardened with the restrictions mm. uh, for them uh, of course uh, that might reduce the uh, the uh, finances for for the mm. universities
0: but, but it it's a, ultimately a choice of any government under a brexit process to decide how easy or difficult it is for students or indeed other migrants to provide the education services that we might want in the future is, yes. that, is that a fair statement yes,
2: yes. so we read and, and heard that there will be probably different policies uh, for just general migrants mm. that are coming to work for, in, in the country and for those who are coming to study. Mm. Uh, so.
0: Stefan anything to
1: add? Where Brexit in a way and, and education Aren't that closely related? Given that education isn't even a UK-wide topic, it's an English topic, yes. right? So, education in in Scotland looks different than in England. So, if mm-hmm. we talk about education in England, I guess Brexit will not affect it directly mm-hmm. to a large extent at the margins, as Elena said, mm-hmm. in the higher education sector, but the most significant. It may be significant in the supply of teachers or nursery staff mm. for early years mm. education because there may be a potential for migrants to engage in such jobs yeah. that we probably won't have because of migration constraints. Yes. I guess the, the real issue is going to come through what is the impact of Brexit on labour supply in mm. this country. Yeah. Britain benefited a lot of mm. migrants mm. coming with skills. Uh, to take up jobs that weren't actually taken by others initially mm. so if that supply doesn't, doesn't come into the country any longer or not in the numbers we know, mm. uh, there is much more incentive maybe for people to gain further qualifications and mm. to take these jobs and if yes. we resource the sector um, with sufficient um, capacity it may encourage upskilling mm. of the domestic workforce yes. uh, probably is a positive effect and then Brexit, because of the changes in trade, is likely to change also the structure of the industry. So mm. that may mean yes. some of the yes. people will have to leave their jobs because it's no longer worth working in some manufacturing because it's targeting Europe as a market. Those people will have to have some sort of reskilling education yes. investment. So from that point of view, Brexit does impact on everything and does impact on education.
0: I think it's very interesting, the, the, the stress that you've put on retraining, that's coming across very much as both the disruptive effects of trade and the changing patterns of what we do, which may be accelerated by the Brexit process, is going to throw open new opportunities for people living in this country, but they're going to need government support to retrain and educate themselves. And that's ultimately also going to mean a sufficient supply of teachers and educationalists who can provide those skills to people. So it's a huge challenge ahead. I want to thank you, both Eleanor and Stefan, for joining me this morning to discuss this critical issue facing Britain. I've been Georgie Chadder, Director of the National Institute of Economic and Social Research, and we've been running a NISA Talks General Direction podcast on effective education policy. Thank you.